Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Yo, yo, yo. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. August 22nd, 2019, Gino Bocola here on the Mike Abadir Show. The main man, Mike Abadir. Next to me, like always, Mikey. Got a big week coming up in horse racing. Some more uh, craziness in the world of uh, Raiders and Hard Knocks. NFL kind of coming up in, in full swing. Baseball. Do the Red Sox have one last little run in them? Where do you want to start? Don't forget about Muncie Mania, man. Oh, man. This guy is amazing. Dodgers have been around for a long time, right? 100, 100 plus years. Never in history. Well, I guess one time in history he had a player that hit a home run. I think it was Adrian Gonzalez. Five straight ball games, and it was just matched by your boy Muncie, who did it in epic fashion. I think a he's great the first pitching th- duel last night between uh, Bueller and the Blue Jays. Yeah, he's in another weird one. He's, I think, the first player to hit 30 home runs in back to back years. In about like almost twenty years, I think since since Sean Green, which is which was a weird one. I thought, yeah, I heard that. Uh, What's even ago. weirder is hearing that that was twenty years ago, right? Or sixteen, eighteen, nineteen. You know, it seems right? like yeah. it wasn't that long ago when he had no, that home run game, and people are talking about Sean Green as being, uh, you know, the great Jewish hope for uh, Los Angeles baseball. And uh, yeah, that just seems like you know, not that long ago. It doesn't seem like twenty, fifteen, twenty years ago, but it is, and. Uh, the Dodgers are sitting in the uh, pilot seat, obviously, in the NL West. And Although, let's say this. They're now, last night, the big the issue that if the Dodgers lose a game in October because of Kenley, I, I guess the bullpen as a whole, but in particular, Kenley now, he blew his sixth save of the year, which is more than he had blown in 2017 and 18 combined. And I don't... I'm not quite as he shouldn't be the closer as everyone is. He's still an above average closer. He's still pretty good. And I think he, I I still trust him for the most part, but that for the most part is in there now. And even last year when he would lose a game, I still felt really good. Two years ago, I felt like he would beat anybody. Um, So it's definitely a different feel for him, but I'm not quite ready to just say, okay, we're going to take Henley out as the closer. But what I like is that, one thing I've seen the Dodgers do a little bit more lately is, you know, unfortunately, Urias got suspended for the 20, 25 games. He'll be back for, for playoff time. And he and they've done this with a couple of the uh, guys that they bring out of the bullpen. They just kind of let him go two or three innings and close a game. They've done that with Urias a couple times. I could see them maybe doing that with someone like Rich Hill or like a Maeda or some of their starters. If maybe Kenley pitched an inning or an inning and a half the night before. And so maybe they just don't try to force him. And feel like you need to go to Kenley every time, but that that is a worry of the Dodgers and on a team that looks very well rounded is that that bullpen. Well, you know it's 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 maybe kind of hard to fathom because of how terrible Joe Kelly started the year off with. But, but he's been I think awesome. he would be a guy Great. that could close out games. Sure. He's been Baez on a roll too. lately. Right? I don't even know when's the last time he he gave up a run. Definitely and not he, in the month of August. He's got a swagger. Like I, I made my mom watch last night and, and like rewind it again, just like focus in on how he was bouncing off the mound. It was like, he knew that every pitch he was throwing was going to be a swing and a miss. He was, he's feeling it. He's, he's, 
pitching as well right now as he as he did in the playoffs last year. Yeah, like, I don't like I don't think he's given up a run run in August, and I know that this his, his ERA is one point six six since for, June, since the like start of June. That's a long time. time. Oh yeah, yeah, we're talking a long time. This yeah, isn't so just I would a few put him in there. Sample. He's yeah, there to me. Baez, you know. I, yeah, I mean, look, I would want a fireballer in there and not like somebody like Rich Hill. Sure. And I was really bummed when Rich Hill got hurt. I've, I'm a big Rich Hill fan. Liked him since you know since he had a great kind of turned his career Boston around last year. Man. Yeah, he turned his career around over there. And uh, you know he's not like one of those guys. He's got good stuff, but he's not one of those guys that's gonna you know blow the ball past you. So I'm not sure that he would necessarily be a great fit. But I think he could do it. Just an just an option is, yeah, is what I, I think what I like for them. Do. Yep. May got lit up the other day. They had the rookie Dustin May come into the bullpen. Uh, but what I like is that. They're, the the Dodgers are in a, a good spot right now because for the next five six weeks they they have an opportunity where they can try things out. Sure. So they want somebody that they should try. Just kind of a dark horse in the closer role is uh, Adam uh, Kalerik. Sure. Against especially if it's a, a two two lefties coming up or a lefty heavy set coming up. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And I would have to imagine that some of the. Uh, you know, the, the reason there's the Tampa connections, right? hundred percent. And the analytics so, would say, you know, sometimes that's the better, that's the better move to go with the, the, the better pitcher against that setup instead of just having the, the one closer. So sure. we'll see. It's just, I, I'm not, I'm obviously, if I had to list my worries for the Dodgers, the, the bullpen would, would be the highest, but I don't think I'm worried as much as everyone else, because I think that they, you know, we look around at some of the moves that were made around the bullpen, and I think you were the one that really was talking the most about this, and you were really mentioning like who of these guys are really that game changing, you know, of the of the relievers that yeah. moved around. Yep. You know, we've seen like Green go to the the Braves and be bad, Terrible. right? And, and a lot Lost of these the guys already. were just middle to to solid relievers, but we know how how like much of a. Um, like up and down relievers can go year to year back and sure. forth variants. So for me, I, th- I felt like the Dodgers actually made some pretty good moves where they're like, you know what? We have a couple kids down low that are probably better than any of these, these options we can go get. Like let's bring up Dustin May and Gonsolin. And maybe those are the two relievers that we add to our bullpen. You know, you know, let's, you've got a really mentally strong guy. I have no problem putting a rookie in there either. You know, I, you know, who kind of started that trend was, uh, was Sosha with the angels. Sure. Remember that K-Rod? when they went on their run? Yep. They went on that yep. run and it was uh, Percival and K-Rod and he would yep. actually let K-Rod get yep. some of the big outs there. And if K-Rod had a good one, two, three, he would just kind of let him keep going yep. until he got into trouble. And it's exactly. sometimes it's great because these guys, you just haven't faced these guys a lot of times yet. You know, it's exactly. it's a little different for some of the pitchers, and I like the way that like May and Gonsolin both seem to be made up pretty well. Like sure. Dustin May is like he he carries himself like a stud. Like when you hear him talk, he like he's a gamer. He gets it. He and so you know what? I'm glad that he comes in and he gives up a grand slam in the middle of August because now he's he was talking about how he hadn't thrown out of the bullpen in a while, so he's figuring out how you know what's his warm up routine going to be like. When does he have to start getting warmed up? Um, you know, and he said, you know, he hadn't thrown enough of, of you know, off-speed stuff in the bullpen. So just like little things that he he's learning now. Yeah. And if you brought him in in the middle of and you blew a game like that in September, late September or, you know, October when it mattered, that'd be different. So it's it's nice when you have such a good year, kind of how Boston was last year. It gives you you don't want to take the pedal off. And that and with the Dodgers depth, even when they have like a B or like a C lineup out there, they still are are putting out a pretty deep pretty solid lineup so they're in they're in good shape you know I, I really like where they're at 
Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you, you know, obviously we're not going to be talking about closers or the Dodgers for the entire show, but just to kind of stick with the, the closers theme for a quick second since, like you mentioned, we did spend some time on it. The the big offseason move was Edwin Diaz with the Mets in terms of closers, getting him from the Mariners. Um, that was in the uh, Cano deal. And Edwin Diaz has not really been that shutdown of a closer no. like he was with the Mariners. No. They've had to put Seth Lugo in there on multiple occasions. Now we can look and see how long Craig Kimbrell was on the sidelines before the Cubs got him. And he has not really been, you know, totally lights out. Maybe that's rust. I don't know. He looks like he's kind of got his act together lately, but I wouldn't say he's completely reliable. Now, one of the most scary relievers from last year, Josh Hader. I don't know if you've seen what he's, yep. what, what he's been doing in, with Milwaukee, but almost Let's see here. Yeah, every outing but one since July, since the trade deadline, he's given up at least one run. He's got a slew of blown saves, five of them to be exact since the trade deadline. Very interesting to see that. Yep, and then and he, the Dodgers the, got him a couple times, yep. at least once this year. And, and yep. he's just through so many innings the last couple of years. Maybe he's, it's kind of wearing, he, wearing that's it. That could be. That very well could be. I had somebody on Twitter actually was uh, a brief little exchange about the innings and, and what it does to the playoff teams. He was kind of using that as the excuse for uh, for the Red Sox, just overall their pitching staff for this year. But um, and, and then the last thing that I'll mention is, Three guys who you heard their names come up quite a bit during the trade deadline. Kirby Yates with the Padres. Are they in for this year or not? Would you move them or not? Felipe Vasquez with the uh, Pittsburgh Ball Club and and Will Smith with the uh, Baseball Giants, of course. None of them got moved. And I think a lot of that has to do with teams maybe pulling back and not offering anything. I think they were all were probably dangled. And I don't think any of those teams felt that they were getting enough back. So might as well just sit on them and at least put up a few more wins to get our young ball clubs in a confident mood. Uh, one last guy is Doolittle also. I mean, and we, yeah, we, he's, we've he's hurt. Kind of he's what's been banged up for a little bit. He's hurt now and banged up. So, you know, it's just are the Dodgers really, now that we've kind of gone through this, are the Dodgers really in that bad of shape, even with Kenley Jensen? Do you, do you see where I'm getting at? I mean, 100%, even that's Jensen's what I mean. Like it's like Braves, they've got Melanson back in there now. You start comparing to everyone, like even the teams that are supposed to be the teams that the Dodgers are going to play against. Okay, do you, does the Braves or the Cubs or the, I mean the Nationals maybe or the Phillies or the Mets if any of them get in there or the Cardinals like are any of those bullpens really terrifying? No, are, are you no. really worried about uh, not being able to get to uh, Neris? No, even, even with, the, with the Phillies, you go to the American League, you know. The Yankees are very, very good, and they would be be the one where you you hope that you're not down by three runs heading into the sixth against them, because then they have they have a lot of good arms that they can bring out of the bullpen. But then even you look around, if it was like Minnesota or Cleveland, eh, like their bullpens are are not like unbeatable. And even Houston, they have some good pieces in their bullpen, but they're not necessarily a bullpen that you couldn't get to Osuna. So. There's no there's no teams this year that really seem like they have like these really set up bullpens like a couple have had the last few years where they were really, really bullpen heavy and trying to get the starters out of the games early. I think it's going to be a little different this year. Like if you're the Cubs, you you're, you want Hamels to go as long as you can if he's in there. Like if you're the Nationals and you get in there, you're not going to take Strasburg or or, uh, you know, Scherzer or Corbin out. Corbin's been awesome as of late, you know, so. I think this year might be a little bit different the way the playoffs go as, as we've seen the, uh, maybe the last few years where those bullpens were really heavy because there there aren't very many good ones right I'll now. I'll tell you what. I think this year 
is going to change the trend for yanking pitchers out so prematurely mm-hmm. moving forward. Yep. I think we're going to see a shift back to starters going a little bit deeper in ball games. you know, maybe end of the seventh, eighth inning. There are teams that want to get wins for their starting pitchers so desperately that it's five innings and, and, and they get the yank. And that's not sustainable for like three, four or five years. You just can't do that if you want to win ball games in Major that's- League Baseball. You, a, you know what I mean? You're going to tax your bullpen way too much. I think that's exactly what's happened with the Brewers. You have to get guys. And unfortunately, the guy who was really, you know, doing a fantastic job for the Brewers was uh, Brendan Woodruff, and he's been hurt for the last uh, month and change. And, and so. you want to get him in the lineup because he swings a good bat, man. Yeah, he, he's got a nice like, stick. And you watch him hit, like he looks like a hitter. Like he gets up there and he squares up and he's like swings like he takes exactly. cuts. You know, you're, you're scared of him. Sure. Um, now, Dodgers aside, in the NL... You know, there's no team in the National League that goes deep outside of their number ones, really, besides the Dodgers, you know, and, and the Nationals. The, yeah. You know, the, yeah, the, na- the Nationals go. But they still got some work to do. Sanchez yeah, they're not. They still got they still got some work to do in the wild card. They're going to have, a, you know, they're going to have to work there a little bit. Yeah, I'm just talking about just the, of the just, contenders just right just now that can, go, that can go deep with their starters. It's really the Dodgers and the Nationals. Everybody else. You know, it's pretty much hopefully we could get five or six or seven. You know, maybe the Cubs a little bit, especially because Quintana's kind of come on a little bit. Lester's obviously been roughed up lately. Darvish seems to have his act together, but I wouldn't trust him. You know, Hendricks and, and Hamels, they're they're good regular season guys. Hamels has been a good good postseason guy in the past, but we're talking about 2019. Yeah. It's a pretty old pitching staff for it the is. most part. So with vets, it's kind of hard to predict, you know, do they show up and kind of have that veteran grit or do they kind of uh, show their age a little bit? That's what makes baseball so exciting for uh, for this upcoming postseason. I think a little bit of the reason for the the success of the Dodgers is because Dave Roberts is kind of he's done a really good job of of tweaking things just a little bit in that he everything isn't so by the numbers this year, it's not every lefty coming out of, of the lineup against the lefties. You know, they're leaving guys like Muncie and Bellinger and some of the better hitters in to, to hit against left-handed pitching sometimes, which is helping them. They're leaving the pitchers in a little bit longer. Like, you look at Kershaw. Kershaw has made every start this year at least six innings. Every start. That's tremendous. Six innings. And and this is a guy who has obviously lost a lot on his fastball. He only gets to 90, and he, he was a guy who struggled a little bit with kind of taking that in and absorbing that and just realizing, you know what? Okay. I'm going to have to throw my breaking stuff a lot more. And he just limits the damage. He never gives up, you know, four or five runs or he, he hasn't so far this year, which is great. And I'm sure there'll be maybe a game like that coming somewhere, but for you to go this long and go six innings, at least every time. And I, and I like that Dave Roberts is letting them, them do this. He's let Bueller close out a couple games where he, he struck out 15 you know, um, he's led. Yeah, he looked like he wanted to stay in the ball game a little bit longer last he, night. Yeah. I don't know what they talked about when they went back downstairs, but yeah, I think now they're starting to like earlier in the year he was letting Ryu go a little longer too, and I think now they're doing a good job of giving them an extra day in between starts. You know, bringing up another kid to start because now they're just worried about getting everybody fresh for the bullpen. But I hope that they continue to tweak things a little bit because we've always talked about how sure you have to use the numbers and the analytics, but you also have to use a little bit of your of your sense too you know like sure. do you leave rich rich hill in a little bit longer last year do you maybe not make a change here or there you know with Buell? just like some things here or there i feel like this year he's gonna let 
the Ker- like the Kershaw or the Bueller or the Bellinger. Like I think you let those guys win it and lose it for you a little bit well, more. There's two there's two things about that. The first one is, you know, the the thing, and it was. It, Let's face it. It was a criticism for Roberts sure. uh, l- last year, especially too. Kind of like you know, letting one. guys get into yeah. you know kind of that hitting groove or pitching groove or whatever the case may be. But the one positive, though, I was thinking about this actually last night and seeing. I didn't realize. I knew that Will Smith was having a really, really strong rookie campaign mm-hmm. since he's been brought up. I didn't realize that. Uh, he's it's actually good. approaching record territory in sure. terms of home runs in in the first whatever it is, thirty eight games or. 42 games, whatever it was, 12 home runs, is approaching record territory for a catcher and things of that nature, or a rookie catcher, I should say. Um, but the, the one thing that kind of kept resonating in the back of my mind is these guys are going to be really sharp when they get into the, the playoffs. This isn't like a pinch hitter coming off the bench and he's now hoping for a hit. And, you know, a pinch hitter that bats like 270 like a Matt Stairs was, is superb. They have guys that are going to be going into the playoffs, assuming that things continue over the next 30 games or so, that are going to be coming in really good form. Yeah. That anybody that they bring in is not, to me, it's not going to be viewed as a pinch hitter. They're going to have all that on the stat sheet. There but be five these are or guys six. are all starters that are getting, you know, a lot of at-bats during the regular season that are going to be coming in. They're soccer substitutes. When you bring in that striker, you know, in the 60th minute of the game to with fresh legs, that's what they've got in baseball terms, you know, off the bench. So they're going to be the, five or t- six guys that are going to be left off the playoff roster that are like legitimate players. I, I don't even I don't even know how Dave Roberts is going <laughs> to like get in, get into that whole mindset of who do we leave off here? And there's going to be a name that's going to be surprising. It's going to be disappointing. They're not going to go, you know, AWOL like uh, Adrian Gonzalez and uh, shoot on a family vacation. I don't think no, but that's a whole different subject matter. They're going to have a really good player that's going to be on the sidelines and that person will be ready to come back in when uh, when called upon for the next series, I'm sure. And uh, we'll see. The, I don't think that he necessarily needs to go uh, extra pitcher or two like other teams because, like we talked about, I think their starters can go deep. And before we get to our first commercial, and we did say, or I said, that we weren't going to talk Dodgers the whole time, but of course, they're the best team and, and they're worthy of the, of the discussion. Gino, who is the best Dodgers pitcher, starting pitcher? Man, this year, right now, it's it, it's probably it, it's Ryu's been the best. Bueller probably has the best, just pure stuff overall. And then you have the veteran of Kershaw. I mean, you can't really go wrong with either one of those three when you look at their numbers. Now I know we 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 don't even know who they're playing yet to be able to set up lefty righty and all that kind of stuff. But as of right now, who in the postseason? How how does the rotation set up? I think he would be okay with it, and I think you go. Kershaw, I think, is a little bit better on the road than both Bueller and Ryu. Like Ryu and Bueller have unbelievable numbers at Dodger Stadium. I think so, you go so you're, Ryu, you're basically Bueller, saying you Kershaw. Go Kershaw in, th- in Game Three, then. Yep, on the road. I think you go Ryu, uh, Ryu, Bueller, Kershaw. Wow, interesting stuff. I mean, that just tells you really that Ryu has really put it together this year and. You know, I know he kind of uh, got hit, banged up last game, but it's kind of funny. Banged up has given up like four runs for, for Ryu because yeah. he's had yeah. such an exceptional season, but really can't go wrong with any of those guys at all. Gino, let's take your first our first commercial break and come back and shift the focus to the National Football League. We're uh, kind of in the midst of a lot of 
on and off field stories in football. So exciting, excited to talk to our first guest, the mad backer, get his take on some things. Stay with us. We will be right back. Talk a little football. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Jack here on the Mike Abadir Show. Mike, uh, you want to introduce our first guest today? Yeah, you know, we have a lot of guys that, uh, and gals that listen to our show that are uh, heavily into fantasy football, maybe uh, using some of the information that we talk about for perhaps their own personal wagers. But all things begin and end in fantasy football with the running back and the wide receiver position. So I want to talk to our first guest. You all know him as the Mad Backer. He's been on our show many times, Adrian Ross. Big A, let me ask you first, The in your locker rooms and the teams that you played on, did you have any guys that had uh, that held out, that had either contract disputes or didn't show up to camp, didn't report because they're uh, holding out for more money? Maybe Corey Dillon or uh, any other kind of star player on your ball club that um, didn't, didn't uh, appear in the first few preseason games? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we had a... Uh, we had Akili Smith right off the bat. You know, um, he held out. That was a draft pick holdout. Um, Corey Dillon, <laughs> he was more of a every year. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he would just come in there, you know, he'd just, you know, take a few weeks on off and come on in. He'd kind of let it, let it be known a little bit, and then he'd come on in there. So, yeah, yeah, I've had a few guys when I played. Now, obviously, you know, we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and that whole soap opera and drama. From a player's perspective, and Melvin Gordon as well. We're going to get to that as well, uh, being here in L.A. But from a player's perspective, you know, the media likes to talk a lot about distractions and is this a distraction for a team and all that talk. Is, is, Is that type of stuff? A player handling his business is it a distraction and if it is is that really just for maybe the offensive unit uh for you know the guys that are um you know working on on things to have the best running game that they could possibly have you know like the cowboys when you got a good old line and, and that type of thing or is it just business as usual and uh, whenever dude gets here he gets here and it's next man up and and it ain't no thing it ain't no thing. It's just next man up, business as usual, no distraction. You know, I mean, because for me, the thing has always been everybody, everybody that's already there is under contract and they're working. So you have to do your best job, right? And then no one ever says anything when the guy that's been there has been in camp and he gets cut and they bring someone else in that wasn't there. You know, so mm-hmm. I think now Now the difference I will say is that a team like the Cowboys, you know, deemed America's team, you know, I, but, but, then, but then on the flip side of that, I feel that they're kind of used to being in the media. You know, so the media attention is something that, you know, should be normal in Dallas. But as far as a player, it's not any distraction uh, because, you know, the plays are the plays, you know, like, it doesn't matter who's in there. I mean, he could be in camp and he could have a bad hamstring. You know what I mean? And nothing would change. So I don't really see it being being a, being a distraction. Now, that's a good point. And Gino was just bringing up Melvin Gordon. You know, so would you, you know, they're obviously not a team that gets nearly as much exposure as the Dallas Cowboys. But same thing applies then. It's Even though it's just more attention in Dallas, but the same thing applies on the field. Yeah, yeah, the same thing. I mean, I think I think what actually happens internally is it gets it's like guys get to looking at the organization like depending on who's not being paid, you know, then they get to looking like, well, wait a minute, like <laughs> this dude's led the league in rushing and blah blah blah, and like he can't get a deal. Is it you know? Then now 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 I feel that some of those types of things depending on why is it you know, and I think that's why the teams end up putting those offers out there, you know, cause I always find that curious is like, who put, who's putting that out there? <laughs> who's putting that out there? Hey, apparently the, uh, <laughs> Cowboys have offered blah, blah, blah. Like with Dak 30 million or whatever, you know, it's like, what? Like who, who, who's, <laughs> who's putting that information out there? So and the we Cowboys have a- are really big at doing that. And then we have a little bit of a different situation with the Raiders. Um, It looks like as of the last few days, Antonio Brown is back at camp, but he's had a few incidents and issues, I guess, already early on. What was your take on first, I guess, the the feet in the uh, the cryotherapy? He said, I think uh, his feet were were getting circumcised. His skin was coming completely off. He had big (laughs) blisters all over his feet. And, And then... Just the uh, the whole issue with the helmet and the changes of the helmets. You're someone that's had to wear these helmets and 
And what is that like when you when you get used to a helmet? Is it is it that big of a deal? Is it is it a big difference? Like, what's that like? Yeah, you know, uh, first, you know, there, there's a lot of things that when you come in in the off season, uh, never really see anything like the feet thing, especially for a receiver, a football player. Period. I'm always a guy that was very aware of things that I was doing, and I didn't want to damage my feet. So I always, I always had socks on. I always have shoes. I always, I mean, I always have socks on. Uh, pretty much always had shoes on. I just now, over the last few years, I started wearing flip flops because <laughs> I always was like aware, like I don't want to since high school. Don't want to step on a nail. Don't want to do anything. So I was surprised to see that someone like Antonio Brown fell That's into really that situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it was it was taught to me at a young age. You like you can't. You have to look at yourself differently, you know, and it's like it's like UFC fight. That's why you see those guys come up to the ring with shoes on, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like that's something that's very important. Now, the helmet, I think I was there right when they started bringing in the new helmets, and I was one that opted to keep my old one. <laughs> I was like, nah, that, the comfortability of your helmet is something very major. And that was for me as a linebacker, so I can't imagine – you know, a wide receiver, someone that really has to have their helmet for vision and, you know, trying trying, trying to actually catch the ball. Um, so I can understand it there. But then I also understand that that's why we sued them, because when they offered me the new helmet, they didn't tell me it was a safety thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. They just gave us the option like, hey, do you want to wear the new helmet or keep your old one? And I'm like, I want to wear my old one. So I think that that's, that's funny now that now they're on these, all these different helmets to offer and what the safety ratings are. Now, do you think Gruden is kind of playing it, you know, good cop, bad cop, you know, with the general manager talking about, are you all in, are you not all in? And, you know, obviously, obviously that's getting a lot more attention too, I think, because, you know, Mayox is uh, filling that seat for the first time, really, you know, bringing a media member in to be a head coach. Really Gruden was a part of the media for the last 10 years and, Mayock with NFL Network covering the draft and and you know do you th- do you like how the way they're kind of that interplay between them as you know Gruden saying I understand and and that kind of talk and and Mayock kind of speaking from the other side of the mouth how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that going on, but I think it's all good because I look at the franchise and it's like I think number one to me when I watched it um, ended up watching it yesterday and. Um, it's funny to me that you're not seeing, like, where's all the veterans at on the team? I mean, like, they just now brought in Luke. I'm talking about as far as on the show. We're not hearing yeah. anything from Vontez. So I can see that it's really controlled, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, they really put a control on the hard knocks. It's almost, it's almost like, it's like, why don't you guys accept it? Because we're not seeing anybody. Like, we're not seeing anybody that really on other hard knocks that you'd really want to see. Um you know, we're not even hearing from these guys. You know, we get to hear from the loudmouth rookie, you know, which is a great, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like he's a great character on there. And it's almost like, of course, they picked A.B. because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like that's, he's a given. But then we're not, see- you know, okay, a little bit of car. So, I don't know. I feel that all the stuff that they're doing is for the press, for the media, for the fans, I don't even think they have an issue. I think there's a little bit of frustration now with the helmet issue, like when we heard from Mike Mayock. But um, I think I think it's all good because they know the player that they have. <laughs> and, of course, it's like, yeah, you 
you want him to be there. You know, you want everybody to be there, especially the guy that's the highlight film. <laughs> you know? So I think it's now, speaking of which, though, do you think that, do you think that, how, let me rephrase it, how quickly do you think Carr and Brown can get in sync? How long does oh, it take for, for an NFL quarterback, a veteran quarterback who's been in the league for a while now, and a veteran receiver to get all synced up? Oh, I think very, very, very quickly. I think I think they'll I think they'll be good. I mean, um, you know, like I said, with with the um, with Gruden and Carr. I mean, you know, Carr from I, I watched him a lot at uh, Fresno State. You know, a guy that can definitely get the ball out there, deep passes. Um, I I don't think it'll be that big that big of an issue because you have a technician. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't have, like, a – I think it would be different if you had a guy like a Chad Johnson who runs unorthodox routes and just gets open in a weird way. I think you need more uh, togetherness to be able to get the timing down on that. But when you have a guy that runs precise routes like uh, A.B. or like your T.J. Hushmanzadas, you know, I think, I think it's a lot easier when you get guys like that. And you know what? To say in for all the talk about – you know, AB and, and what's he doing and, you know, people are all the drama. He does seem like he is someone that works hard and he takes it seriously. Like he's prepared. He's, he's not, he hasn't been, he's under, he's been looking at the plays. He's been looking at the schemes. Like he, the little bit that we saw him actually out there, he didn't seem lost. He didn't seem like someone who just showed up and hasn't been, been prepped. So, you know, he, maybe he's a little dramatic with, with the way with certain things, but he, he is a guy who I think, some people are forgetting, and you were mentioning this earlier, like when he gets out on the field, I think a lot of this is going to quiet down because he is damn good. Definitely, and I think that that's a, that's a great point there. Is the time of year that it is, you know, and what I feel that football um, hasn't done yet that needs to do is it's like the talk shows, the daytime talk shows uh, on television are trying to create – they want to create the drama, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, here's the guys like this that give you the drama, and I feel that even football is kind of running away from it, but yet they're trying to advertise it as such. And I feel that I'm not gonna say that that we need more ABs, but I like that he's so candid, and I like that he's entertaining, right? So it's like people mm-hmm. want to talk about it because it's like everything in football is tradition, but for me. I feel that the NFL needs to move towards more what AB is doing. Um, not, I don't mean, I don't mean like arbitration in the helmet and all that stuff, but, but talking shit and, you know, you know, uh, uh, referring to himself in the third person and sure. <laughs> all of that, like it's entertainment. Like let's Absolutely. stop with all this. These guys need to go to camp and he needs to get in there and okay. So what? He's going to be in there and then you guys aren't going to hear from him. Like you guys won't see him and stuff fans. It's like, I feel that we need to see the league needs to get more. I mean, like, what's up with uh, Jadavion Clowney? Why aren't we hearing nothing about him <laughs> not being yeah. in camp? Mm-hmm. You know, point. there's a lot of other top-notch guys that are in the NFL, and they make it be like there's three teams <laughs> and there's not really any star players. Yeah, but Gruden even kind of joked about that on the show. He said, "There's a lot of, there's a couple other teams out there that are missing their stars too. You know, you don't, everyone doesn't have to talk about us." Yeah, yeah. 
So it's, well, it's, you know, it's, speaking it's, of that entertainment value, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. One of my favorite baseball players growing up was Ricky Henderson, who uh, who perfected the the art of speaking in the third person, by mm-hmm. the way. But uh, Ricky Henderson, some called him a hot dog, some called him this or that. But man, he's a Hall of Famer, you know, a, a, a record breaking Hall of Famer. But you know what, man? People could talk about all the steals and the stats and the leadoff home run. Is a team player. Just go back and look at how many times that guy got his team into the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's mind blowing, right? So uh, you could kind of combine that team oriented play with being, you know, a hot dog or or, or whatever you want to call it. On on the on the note of entertainment, uh, Adrian. Before we get to the actual kind of like you know prediction type talk and who do you think is going to be, you know, a dark horse team and all that good stuff. Speaking of entertainment, uh, Jay-Z, obviously his involvement with the NFL got big headlines. Uh, Any thoughts on that, whether it be hypocritical, sellout, you love it. What do you, what do you make of it from a, from a, from a social warriors, uh, uh, perspective social justice perspective uh for me uh it pissed me off it pissed me off in the sense of for me former football players and there's several other ones that i've talked to and as us as former players we're pissed off at it because for us it looks like this rapper has to it's like the league has to partner with this rapper and and he and these football players started something but now we're going to partner with a rapper <laughs> that now, now I'm, I'm saying, you know, he's a lot more than that, but essentially to us, you know, that's what it is. It's like you're partnering with this rapper and then you're announcing to everybody. For me, I fully understand it now. What's the announcement for, right? Like why, why was there this public display of this partnership and who in the hell did they invite to this meeting? We're all the football players that up at the, up at the press conference, like since this was the invite only, where are all the players at? Right. So how- I, I thought it was just a funny look. Jay Z sitting there with Goodell, and you know, I'm guessing that Goodell kind of didn't grow up with uh, Jay Z and his CD player. You know what I mean? Like it's it's real artificial looking. Yeah, and and then it's like, and then for him to come out and speak on we're done taking a knee as if he took a knee. You know, now I'm not mad at Jay-Z for doing it because that's great business. Um, something that, I, that I'm sure you can attest to. Another thing that pisses me off is how can he have an agency? How can he be the owner of an agency hey, and have I a partnership with the NFL? Yep, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, like he has a direct. So, so now, I mean, you're talking about a direct advantage for his agency. I mean, he, they're able to tell their tell their their uh, potential clients now we have a direct uh, we have a direct relationship with the NFL how is that they're always telling they're always talking about a conflict of interest but yet they announced one right away but they're saying that if he was to be an owner because I guess there was all this other talk about ownership um, and if he was to be an owner he would have to denounce his ownership in the agency and i'm like oh it's a conflict of interest if he was going to be an owner but it's not a conflict of interest <laughs> for him to be a partner right now 
So very interesting thoughts, Adrian. Can can you hang with us until we take our second commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about somebody else that is represented by Rock Nation Sports. Todd Gurley and the Rams want to get your take on their outlook. Can you uh, hang with us for a few more? Let's get it. All righty. That's Adrian Ross, the Mad Backer, ex-NFL Cincinnati Bengals linebacker, played in the league for many years with always a hot take on all the big issues. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing things out here on the Mike Abadir Show with the big A, Adrian Ross. And uh, we were just uh, about to talk about the Rams, I believe, Mike, right? Before you wanted to yeah, ask well, it's cause Yeah, because it's kind of funny to me because if you, if, you know, even from our league, which probably mirrors most other leagues, if you go back and look, uh, fantasy-wise, I'm talking uh, you'd probably see Todd Gurley, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Antonio Brown all all in the first round. So uh, segueing into kind of how you uh, project uh, the Rams' upcoming season and and the uh, NFC West. Who in your league, Adrian, of those guys would you take in the first round? All of them? None of them? Um, Is Todd Gurley oh, even a first round? round? guy anymore in, in fantasy yeah oh yeah definitely i mean because running backs yeah I, I would i would probably go i'd probably go girly um uh, i mean you know you have the you have the injury thing there but with with that offense and what they do you know at least even he doesn't have to even be in there to carry the load per se but you figure with that offense um, trying to put up points with the quarterback and the wideouts that they'll be in scoring positions a lot more often than other teams with a different style offense. So I think that just that fact alone. 
It's got to make Gino happy, right? I know you're a big Rams fan, first and foremost. So Yeah, I think uh, if he's on the – I mean, he's going to be good if he's on the field. And they've got a lot of options, too. I just think that they don't necessarily need to to pound him as much. But if he – he was so good his last couple of years that he, if he even comes back a few levels, like he's still going to be a top-tier fantasy player. So it's a lot like with anyone is staying healthy. And if he's injured, it, it, it would be a bummer. But I, I think he's – think there's a little bit more there to him too he's starting to drop a little too much because people are scared to draft him yeah Mm. fair fair point there so adrian let's get to it then um you know rams are they could be victimized by the uh you know super bowl loser hasn't fared too well in modern history where do you kind of see them in the uh, nfc west i see them right there um i see them winning it winning it Again, because I don't really think that they should have been in the Super Bowl. So they kind of, you know, like now they were there. You know, we all know that. But I felt that it would be almost more, I felt that they were a couple years out. Uh, I thought because of the younger linebacker play. But then um, number 58, I can't think of his name. Is it Littleton or something? Um, mm-hmm. Littleton. He, is that his name? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Like he started playing, you know. He played. He 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 played well. You know, I thought that I thought that being being young that he might uh, struggle. I think some games he did, but um, they were better than I thought on defense, and they they were able to gel um, faster, and they're able to make it there. So I feel that how how they're built, um, you know, again barring. Injury, I think that they're definitely the definitely the team to beat in that. So you're that you're kind of saying that they still they're they're still getting better. That you kind of thought that they were still in that growth period where they're maybe a year or so out. They got there early, but they can definitely get back there again and again, perhaps because they're still on to improve. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. With, with the way that they're constructed. Um, you know, the pieces that they have and where they're at and where they were young at, you know, last year they had the front. And then, boom, cool, you could have a young linebacking core when you have the veteran secondary because you had them squished in the middle. You know, now now those guys that were younger have some more reps. Uh, you're going to lose, you know, you lost the Sioux, but, you know, the tackles are something that, that should be an easier plug-in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think that they're, 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 they're built, they're, they're put together really nicely. <laughs> now, 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 now you need the coach to make some coaching. <laughs> now you need him to coach. <laughs> He's been real good the whole time. And, um, you know, he had that system that I don't know how it worked against Dallas. I felt somebody should have got fired after that, that performance Dallas put on letting, letting him rush for 275 yards. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So now with what you've seen and kind of maybe heard over the last couple of weeks um, in the first few weeks of camps, most places, who are, give me, give me a team or two maybe that you're, you're high on this year and maybe a team or two that you're not. I, um, yeah, I'm high on the Saints. I'm high on the Saints because I think that, you know, they're a team who their offense is always talked about. And there's always Drew Brees and Kamara, and they're not talking about anybody on defense. And they've done a good job of turning that defense around very quickly, um, specifically the secondary. Um, but, you know, with Cam, Cam Jordan, 
the the two linebackers in the middle are really nice. I feel that uh, the Saints Saints are the team. <laughs> the Saints have a squad, so I, I I'll go ahead and say that right now. Um, you said a team that I'm not high on. Well, like a team that's getting that's getting pub or what? Yeah, I mean, maybe a team that you think uh, is isn't quite as good as as maybe everybody else thinks. Oh man, that's tough right there. I'll let you guys go on that one. What, 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 what about KC? So with KC, we know Mahomes is going to be you know taking that next step, but their backfield is the one that I'm I'm a little is is Williams a number one back or does it even really matter? Who's in that backfield because Andy Reid is so good and he's just going to scheme everything up. I don't. I, I don't think it matters as much. Um, I think that that what they do have is very serviceable. My question with them and like with most teams is the defense, right? Because like these guys, you know, can go around all all year with the way the rules are and put up points and stuff. And, and we've seen it's like, what are they going to do? Uh, how are they going to stop people? And so, for me, my question with them is, I was shocked when they let go of Houston, let go of Ford. I'm like, who, 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 who's on the defense? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, do you guys know of anybody that's on the defense over there? And that was a weakness of theirs <laughs> last year, and they had, they did have a lot of turnovers. So that's they can score, but when you were as efficient as they were last year, sometimes it's hard to re, you know reproduce that. Yeah, so that's my question with them. The other NFC team I was going to say was Philly. I was thinking that it was, it was mm-hmm. Philly would be the good, like Philly and the Saints. Um, but um, yeah, and AFC as far as yeah, like they would be a team that I, I'm not too sure on. On yeah, I would, I would. That that's a great team that you said for that category right there. Hey, before we let you go, really Adrian, two. Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to say uh, two two quick. Um, thoughts on on AFC teams that are, are kind of hard to, to figure out whether they're going to, you know, really be con- contenders to get into the playoffs or not, or the New York Jets and the Baltimore Ravens. Any quick thoughts on them before we close out? Yeah, I, um, yeah, the Ravens, I don't think the Jets, I don't think that they've done enough yet, um, you know, to do anything. Uh, the Ravens, you know, it's, that's one of those hard ones because we want to see how far uh, Lamar Jackson has developed. But they're always a team that has a defense. Um, you know, um, they have they have Earl Thomas over there, right? Yep. Is that who it is? The safety? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you have him up patrolling that secondary right there, and they're always known for the defense. They lost the linebacker, but, you know, that organization always keeps them. So they're a team that I think can be right there, and I feel that they're right there – in that spot with the Texans and the Colts, you okay. know, where it's like, what are you guys going to do? You guys have had these defenses, or well, not the Colts per se. They've uh, we've seen the Darius Leonard, I think, at linebacker um, pop up. Now we have Andrew Luck hurt. Um, <clears throat> they're one of the offenses that obviously, when Luck's in there, they roll. Um, have they built their defense up enough to get in there? I think those are those are three teams right there up in the AFC. Is like, are you guys going to get in? <laughs> Texans, Ravens, Colts. Good stuff, Big A. We'll have to bring you back on to give us your seasonal 
picks like you did last year. Uh, a lot of them were uh, pretty on point. So we'll uh, have you back in a few weeks here. Thank you, as always, Adrian. We Thanks, always AD. love having you on. The Mad Backer. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and we will retweet out all his information. Thanks, Big A. All right, thanks, fellas. Talk to you guys soon. Yes, sir. Good stuff there, man. We only have a couple of minutes left here, Gino, and uh, we got a big race coming up this weekend. Yeah, Travers, it's not only a big race, it is a really big card. It's starting in the fifth race, you have the grade one Forgo. The sixth race is the grade one Ballerina. The seventh race is the grade one Jerkins. The eighth race is the grade two Boston Spa. The ninth race is the grade one Personal Ensign. The tenth is the grade one Sword Dancer. And then you have the Travers, the 11th, which is also another grade one. And you have some of the big stars in each of the divisions. Really, really nice horses that you're going to see. You're going to see a horse who had the fastest buyer speed figure of any horse this year named Chancelot who got 121 buyer. He's running in race number seven. You're going to see uh, Mitoli, who is really good, and he won the Met Mile. He's going to be in race number five. You're going to see um, a, a couple really, really nice older fillies and mares in Midnight Bisu any late. And then in the Travers, I think uh, a couple horses to include in the Travers that are, that are prices that maybe maybe more than liking one horse to win this race. I think there are a couple prices who might be Improving and, and horses who might be able to get into the bottom of your exotics. Scars are cool and laughing fox. Those two, I think, are horses you could use in the bottom of your exotics. I like mucho gusto. I'm a little worried that a mile and a quarter is 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 too much in here. Tacitus and Code of Honor, they're the two to beat. Probably wouldn't go against them in the exotics. I, I'd maybe hook them up with the other prices and with mucho gusto. No, is this all available on your podcast or or? Yeah, I'm gonna have a up? on that's what G said. I have a full uh, um. Uh, analysis of all of the grade one races with Scott Shapiro. We we spent about an hour going over uh, races five through eleven. So ton about that. That uh, sh- that'll be out a little bit later on this evening. Well, for those uh, listeners who are looking to delve into this weekend's big Saratoga card, definitely encourage you to listen. And Gino's got a hot hand. He actually almost uh, almost bet his life, uh, if you can imagine that, <laughs> on, a, on a play today at Del Mar, thirteen dollar so. winner. I know he doesn't like the word lock, but. I know Gino enough that when he talks that kind of uh, language um, in terms of strength of play, that uh, he's bringing it with a good pick. $13 winner, 680 on the place. That was race two at Del Mar today. Carissa, and uh, he didn't hesitate, even though there was a two to five in that race. And, uh, and then what happened is two to five dropped the jock right at the start. Yeah. And then it was, you get you get a little lucky there when the, the, the big horse to beat is gone. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to next week because we're getting real close to football season now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, I've had a few people ask me, you know, which football guests we're going to be bringing on. Kind of forgot that, uh, you know, right at this time slot for our uh, on-demand listeners, we're on at live at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. East Coast time, which is smack dab right in the middle of uh, these preseason football games. So as we start shifting to more Friday and Saturday games, hopefully we'll be able to have on some of the beat writers for your favorite teams. And as always, if you have any special requests, definitely feel free to hit up Gino or I. That's all the time we have for this week's show. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be here at the exact same time, same place. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.